We have multiple members in our group that make over a million dollars a year in income from their portfolio. Not one of those members that are making over a million dollars a year has more than 10 properties. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore. I'm here with my main man, Dave Savulich, for a Whiskey Wednesday episode. We're going to dive into some things going on in our world, some hot topics that Dave always brings to the table um, for discussion. And then obviously, we've got a couple emailed in questions that we always try to cover. So anybody that is listening, if you do want some of your questions covered on one of these episodes upcoming, hit us up on the DMs on the social platforms. Shoot us an email at support of Odyssey. We'll make sure that we get those questions and answer them live on one of our episodes. Dave, we're going to dive in. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's get yeah. after it today, huh? You know, as most people do, mess around on their phones in the evening, wherever. So I was looking, I was going through all my videos, my phones over the last like five years, probably. And me and the, my two daughters were kind of looking at them. We were laughing at family videos and stuff. And lo and behold, I found two videos of Sean on there. Yeah. Text them over to you, but the two videos that were the first one was, uh, and I think it was like 2020. Old Sean Moore took a couple dribbles and uh, dunked it. And the second one was uh, is a guy water skiing, and and both of those are to us those are kind of lost arts, you know. Yeah, that's nobody, those are the glory days. Nobody slalom. water skis slalom. slalom yeah. One one ski, nobody does that anymore. Yeah. And you know, you you dunking. Um, yeah. I don't know. You hey, think was, you, you're going to ever dunk know, again? I don't know. That, the old Achilles <laughs> might blow out on me if I try to dunk anymore. That was uh, three years ago. You have to worry now these days. Uh, any activities that yeah. we do that are yeah. that we used to do, are, are what's the yeah. repercussions? Are we going right. to get hurt? How bad is or, this going to hurt? Yeah. What, how am I going to feel the next day or the yeah. next week? So Yeah. Those are, the, those are the glory days. When you text them over, that's, what, uh, that's exactly that was what pretty, I said. That was pretty funny. I'm like, I got to text these over to Sean. It is fun know? to look back at the it old is. photos and videos, though, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so a trending topic, topic this week, as most everybody knows, you have a coaching call every single Tuesday for our Vodacy members. And uh, a lot of good information, a lot of great questions, a lot of good advice and, and, and information. But one of the things that's come up uh, recently on a couple different platforms is people are asking, do they invest in adding to their existing short-term rental or do they buy another asset? So do they, do they invest in putting a hot tub? Do they put an, uh, you know, like a tiny home yeah. on the property? Do they, do they do all these things to continue to upgrade that particular short-term rental or should they use that money to go buy another investment, another asset? It's a great question and something that everybody who is in the game should be thinking about. I would say outside of this asset class, most of the time my answer would be, listen, get your, get a, if it's a long-term rental or multifamily or something like that that's creating passive income, I would typically say get it, get it operational and then take your money to add and stack something another else. asset. Right. Now, the difference is, is the revenue range in most other asset classes is very close from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. If I've got a three bedroom, two bath townhome in an area and I'm gonna long-term rent it, it's not gonna be a whole lot different revenue wise than the other two bed, three right. bath right. townhomes, right. regardless of how much I put into it, yeah. right? And so there's gonna be a market rent for that. Now, on the short-term rental side, it's much, much different than that. And there's a lot more to consider. And we always talk about that revenue range and that revenue range is really wide in mm -hmm. a lot of markets. Yeah. And we always tear it down into 20% ranges. You know, we, we take, a, you know, the bottom fifth of the market, the next, the next uh, 20, 20% of the market. And so we, we ended up segmenting out what that revenue looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you do that, you might have a three bed, two bath townhome in an area and the bottom of that market is $30,000 in revenue and the top of the market is $90,000. Right. That's a wide yeah. gap. And because that gap is so wide, 
and this is why uh, you know I don't want to get super long-winded on this, but you have to consider maybe I can take that 10,000 10, or 15,000 and upgrade and maximize the asset the I have. The existing one you have, yeah. One thing okay. I love about short-term rentals, we don't have to have 20 or 30 or 40 or 100 units in order to make a significant dent financially, right? right? We have a lot of members, myself included. I usually keep my portfolio between six and 10 properties a small portfolio, but it's a really highly producing portfolio because right. I understand that concept of saying, I'm going to maximize each individual asset. So I would say if you're in the short-term rental game, the first thing you should do is look at being able to maximize what you already have. Mm -hmm. Because if you're operating at, at in the averages, let's say right. you're an average property in the middle of the market, that jump of another tier or, you know, to get into that you know, the top 20% of the market or the top 10% of the market, those tiers and that jump, that could be an extra $50,000 right. a year that's in your pocket. That's significant money that you could make. And yeah. a lot of times people don't realize you can upgrade a property for maybe, maybe you're only putting an extra 10 or $15,000 into the property, upgrading some of your marketing assets, upgrading some of the accessories, the artwork, right. things like yeah. that. You can really yeah. uh, lift a property up and then it's earning potential significantly up. And so let's, if I can put in $10,000 to a property and upgrade it, and make an extra 30, 40, $50,000 annually, that's a pretty dang good return on investment. Deal. So my goal is to get every single property I have to operate in the top 20% of the market that I'm in. And so as long as I'm in the top 20% or above, right. then we wanna make sure, then I might say, okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna take go. the money and add another asset. Right. Because the difference between the middle of the market and the top 20% of the market, almost across the board in short-term rentals is significant. Even on lower priced properties, you could have a $300,000 property that you bought and that revenue difference between one tier and the next could be 10, 15, $20,000. Right. Well, if I can get a 100% return on my investment by putting an extra 10 grand in to make an extra 10 right. or 15 every single year, that's a pretty that's a pretty smart move in my opinion. Yeah. Now, the ultimate goal is we wanna have assets that other people are buying and paying for as well. It's not just stacking assets, it's buying an asset, maximizing yeah. it, and then adding another one to our portfolio. And most people are kind of in that middle, like you said, and they're yep. getting their fair share. And a lot of times they're frustrated and a lot of times they're not sure what to do, but if they do those things and put in the effort, make it a priority yep. to get into the top side of the market, then they'll get their unfair share and they'll be excited and right. better and wow, okay, this is awesome. Rather than taking that money when you're in the middle of it, and go and get another asset, you're still gonna be, you know, maybe dissatisfied with the original one. So make sure you get it to the top of that market right. and then use the money. So then just good. go buy another one. And that's okay. what that's where the big I think the one of the big mistakes in this game is, is most people don't take the time to understand right. the numbers right. in the game that they're right. playing. They don't understand what that revenue range looks like. They don't understand that what does it take to get from the middle to the next tier up, to the, to, and then to the top 20%. Right. What is that gonna take, right? And so how much effort, how much money am I gonna have to spend? What amenities are my, am I gonna need to add to jump a price tier or two? And they don't, if they don't know the answer to those questions, then it's hard to make yeah, any sort of decision. decisions on doing yeah. that, right? right? And what about if you're saying, okay, well, I'm, I've got this property and I'm losing three or four grand every single year. I hear this all the time. I'm losing money or I'm breaking even. I don't want to invest any more into right. it. And be, it, the reason they say that is because they don't understand what that next revenue right, looks what like. What the next tier looks like. like. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? You. Invest. That's when you should be saying. Yeah. And sometimes the writing might be on the wall that it's not worth it to right. invest. It's right. like. But it's that's, like, that goes back to understanding the numbers and the yeah. potential and the market and the data in that area, so right. that you can play in that top Absolutely. 20%. You want to be. Yeah. You want to be the top of a the market. There's things you can do. There's an effort required to get in the top 20 20%. 
it's not that difficult, yeah. right? Most people don't realize the top 20% of the market, that's where all the money's made. Mm -hmm. It's not that difficult. Go from the top 20% to the top 1% or the 2%, there's a lot more you have to do to do right, that, right? right? And so it's like, a, you know, if, if somebody's a, a bodybuilder or in a fitness competition, right. they can be in really, really great shape. And those people that are even considering those competitions, it's they're in really good shape, right? And they do, you know, it's not, it's not that hard to gain muscle, put in the time, the effort, and to get yourself in good shape. But it's a lot, it's really hard to go to from get, that really good right, shape to, to like competition level shape, right? right? And now right. all of a sudden that extra 5% that you have to do requires a lot of extra effort and work. Yeah. And so, but knowing what the, what those price tiers look like, knowing the effort required can help you make those decisions. And in the short-term rental game, it's always, it, right. you should always start there. What can I do to maximize the asset I have? And then once it's maximized, now you say, okay, now now I've got more money to invest, first of all, because I've got more money coming back into me. I can build up that that down payment or the, the acquisition cost for that next asset. Right. And, and then I'm gonna maximize that and I'm gonna stack another. We have multiple members in our group that make over a million dollars a year in income from their portfolio. Not one of those members that are making over a million dollars a year has more than 10 properties. Right. And so yeah. most of them are in that just, seven or eight yeah. property range. It, it's a highly producing asset class, but it only is highly producing if you invest the time and effort to understand how to maximize right. it. Yep, good, yep. All right, well, let's get to a couple questions here. We. Okay. Uh, we got a couple questions that were sent in, and the first one is, do you like doing higher-end STRs or cheap STRs? So do you spend a little bit more money and buy a real high-end, uh, more expensive short-term rental, or do you like to play kind of down in the mid-range uh, short-term rentals? Yeah, there's, there's pros and cons of each of that. There's a lot of people that will say, well, you, you can make more money. I don't, I don't want to invest in something if it's not high-end because I'm going to make more money on the high-end. That's not the case. Your return on investment, a lot of times, the actual return on your investment in, into a deal, a lot of times is way higher on the lower properties. Mm -hmm. Now, there's limited upside on the lower properties as well, right? right? I right. might, you know, invest $10,000 on a property. You and I looked at a property in, in Kentucky, like, you know, middle of Kentucky, kind of backwoods of Kentucky, little rural area of Kentucky, right? And it was like $178,000 property. We we're going to be able to buy it for less than $20,000 into it. Right. It was going to make almost $15,000 a year. Right. $15,000 a year doesn't change either of our lives. We're like, okay, it, it's that's not that big of a deal, but we only put 20 in. We, yeah. we had like an 80 something percent return on right. investment. Right. That's a dang good return on investment. You're not going to be able to duplicate that and go buy a $2 million property, put right. $200,000 down and make you know, make $300,000 a year, or $250,000, dollars a year. That doesn't typically happen. Right, and right. so your return on investment on the smaller properties a lot of times is higher. However, the dollar amounts are not as high. Mm -hmm. And if you have a larger property, a more luxury property that brings bigger dollar amounts, the other thing that is true is it's just as hard to manage $170,000 property as it is to manage a $2 yeah. million property. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where some of the arguments are made as well. They right. say that, well, the higher one, I'm getting a, a maybe a less return on investment, but a bigger dollar amount. I have to do the exact same effort to manage them. The management company has to do the exact same effort. Right. So you have a lot of management partners that will say, we don't, we don't manage those smaller properties. Their reason for that is they don't make enough money on them yeah, for the effort required. But they, the way that they articulate it is they're not as good of properties. And right. that's not true. That's yeah. not the case. Yeah. I love small properties. I like big properties. There's opportunities in all of them. And you can kind of decide what your portfolio looks like. Small properties, they're economical, right? They're they're easy to rent last minute. They usually have higher occupancy. Like there's more people that you know can afford them. Not everybody right. wants them, but you know you've got you've got some benefits of being able to rent them out on a regular basis. The larger properties, typically the they're larger harder. groups, yeah. they're going to have a bigger dip in the slow seasons. There's 
all those different things you have to factor in. So, I mean, both can work really, really well depending on your property goals. Yeah. I don't typically yeah. travel in large groups. And so I don't buy huge properties, right? right. right? I'm not, a, I'm not a, I've never owned a property over four bedrooms yeah. because I don't really, I don't go and travel in big groups. I like to travel with my family, yeah. maybe one other person. Most of the time I like to buy, have my portfolio, but I also have kids. So I don't buy the, the little one bedrooms either. Right. I don't like those, right? right? And right. as much I bought one, I don't like it. I'm selling it because we don't use it because mm -hmm. we can't use it together. And so I don't like the really small ones. And I don't like the really big ones because of my travel preferences. Right, right? exactly. And, you, and you, so, you typically buy according to your lifestyle and what you like to do and yes. the properties you like to stay yes. in. So. And then understanding the investment potential from there. Right. To go out and say, and anybody that says it, and there's a lot of people who do give these blanket statements that you know, you're going to do better off with large properties or you're not going to do as good with small properties, that's a bunch of bull. Yeah, it's not yeah, true. Yeah. Run the numbers and the investment potential on all of the above can be can be accurate. And some areas lend themselves better to smaller properties. Right. Some areas are right. going to help you maximize larger properties. And so yeah. there's a lot that goes into deciding I, that. I think that's important because a lot of people that maybe financially don't have a ton of money right. or a ton of capital, they worry or wonder, God, can I be successful in this if I don't buy this big property? And that's not the case. You don't have to buy the big property. You can be successful on any type of property as long as you look at the numbers and right. the numbers work out like that property in, in Kentucky. That was a great property. It wasn't We very were sad big. we didn't get it. I know, yeah. We made an offer yep. on it and didn't yep. get it. And it was like, I mean, who wouldn't want to put 20 grand into something right. and put 15 in your pocket exactly. every year and have some appreciation as well? Right. I mean, that's, that's yep. you know, I don't care you know, how rich you are, that's still a hell of a return exactly. on that investment. Absolutely. And you get the appreciation yeah. and the lifestyle assets. So good. Yeah. All right. Last question. How much should I budget for furnishings on my first short-term rental? So, and this comes down to uh, price as well, you know, depending on the size of the property, um, how much should they budget? And, and it's kind yeah, of a, it's a rule of question. thumb. But and, and I have a rule of thumb that I always follow. My rule of thumb is typically I'm budgeting somewhere around eight to 10% of my acquisition cost to furnish a property. And that's if I have to furnish it from scratch. Also, most people are not furnishing these properties from scratch. A lot right. of vacation rentals, especially nowadays, are Furnishes sold furnished. Include so and stuff like that. You might be able to use Half of it. You right. might be able to use all of it. You might not have to spend that entire 10% to furnish because you've got items that you're able right. to use. You're going to spend something. Even yep. a property that sold furnished, most of the time, you're still going to have to upgrade and accessorize that property. Yeah. As a general rule of thumb, I usually start around that 8 to 10% mark. If it's a, a lower price property like we were just talking about in that, you know, maybe it's a $150,000 property, I'm going to be closer to 10 or 12%. If I'm a really high price property, I might budget closer to 8% because right. I'm going to have, you know, just based on the purchase price right. as a percentage of the purchase price. The other caveat to that is you're furnishing square footage in bedrooms and bathrooms. Right. And so, you know, Mike, our designer always says, man, you got to be careful with that eight to 10% rule because we always talk in terms of price per square foot. And it's funny because He's come around to say year eight to ten percent rule is about really right. Close, it, it, yeah, it, almost it almost across the yeah. board. Okay. It's a really good rule of thumb. So yeah. if you're doing quick math, budget eight to ten percent of your acquisition costs for furnishings. Now, if you want to you want to figure out how a, a designer would do it, you're probably somewhere between twenty five and thirty five dollars a foot to furnish a property, and and that is based on the level of furnishings, right? If you're going to do big box store, Ashley, right. yeah, Ashley furniture type furniture, you're 25 bucks a foot. If you yeah. want to do a little bit higher end restoration hardware, something like that, you're probably closer to $35, $35. a foot. So yeah. that gives you kind of a range on a price per square foot basis that you can kind of figure out. Good, uh, good segment today. Um, I want you to 
keep working out, stretch, get and then we'll uh, we'll the get ready for the dunk contest. All right, I'll do Odyssey, it. Odyssey, Odyssey it. dunk contest. Him on ten feet, me on about eight. <laughs> Deal. We'll do it. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll wrap this one up. We always appreciate you joining us. We know your time is valuable and it's always fun that you spend it with us and choose to spend it with us. If you got any value out of this episode, you guys know I ask you a couple favors at the end of these. And, and that is, if you had fun, you had got value, you know somebody who would like to listen to these episodes and gain some value in the short-term real space as well, share these episodes, give us a like, give us a thumbs up on the platform you're looking at. If you got more than 30 seconds, leave us a review. Those reviews really do help us spread the word and share our message in the short-term rental space. And then the final thing and the most important thing is is go pick one thing that you can do today start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from cheers my friends cheers, cheers.